Ludus Novus, Episode 8, for August 25th, 2007. State of the art. Okay. Okay, this might just totally suck. Like, I don't even know how I did this. It's like beyond my ability. <laughs> My name is Gregory Weir, and this is Ludus Novus, the podcast concerning uh, interactive entertainment, video games as art, and such. Now, uh, I've got sort of two, two pieces of news, uh, one good, one bad. Uh, I got myself an Xbox 360 game controller uh, for my PC, and I'm really liking it quite a bit. It's, it's, it's really nice. Uh, it, there, there really is some sort of... Uh, closeness of control that you get from an actual gamepad that you don't really get from a mouse and keyboard. A mouse and keyboard are built for inputting data, and a gamepad is built for really connecting you to a game, and there, there's really a difference. I, I still, of course, prefer the mouse and keyboard for, say, games like Half-Life 2, where you're actively aiming um, a weapon or something like that, or or games like Uru Live, where you need to select things on the screen. Um, but but when there's when that sort of precision isn't needed, I think that I'm gonna see if I can stick with my gamepad because I I really like it. Um, the, the the sort of sad news is uh, Bioshock. I I, I really want to play Bioshock. And uh, my, my machine at the moment won't, but I'm probably going to be upgrading decently soon. But my issue with Bioshock is this draconian uh, copy protection that they're using. The, the fact that you can only install it a finite number of times ever, for wh whether it's two times or five times, or whether or not you can do some uninstall process to remove it. I, I still think it's completely unreasonable to sell someone something and not have them get ownership of it. I mean, I'm a software developer. I don't want people to be able to steal my stuff. But, I don't know. I guess the fact that there are laws against it maybe is, is enough for me. I don't think that we need to club the, the hands of all the legitimate users of my product in order to make pirates' lives a tiny bit more inconvenient. I don't know. But, Enough ranting for now. Um, I brought you here today 
so that I could read two lists to you. Um, I'm sure that someone can find all sorts of fault with these lists, but I think that they're they're reasonable. I think these are these are lists that that no one could find too large of a problem with. So so here there there are two lists of of ten works each, and here's the first one. Star Wars Tie Fighter, Shadow of the Colossus, System Shock Two, Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past, Super Metroid, Half Life Two. Alpha Centauri, Planescape Torment, Chrono Trigger, and Grim Fandango. Okay, that's the first list. And uh, here's the second, and I want you to just reflect on how they compare to the ones on the first. It's a Wonderful Life, Casablanca, Citizen Kane, The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, Bambi, The Philadelphia Story, The Maltese Falcon, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, notorious. And those were, of course, two uh, lists. Um, the first was of the best video games ever, interactive entertainment ever. The second was of the best motion pictures ever. And uh, I just want you to look at those two and see how do the works on it compare. And, and I, I can hear the responses already. It's, it's, not, it's not fair, Gregory, because the film industry has had many more years to develop their art than the video game industry has. Yeah, but the thing is that that top 10 list is the top 10 films of all time as of 1948. Now, I, I'm basing the, the sort of equalization, the calibration of these two lists on some, some completely arbitrary but I think decently reasonable choices for the first video game and first film ever. In the case of interactive entertainment, I'm using a game developed in 1947, um, U.S. Patent 2445992, which was a missile game that was meant to be played on a cathode ray tube. Um, very, very primitive. Uh, for film, I'm using a, a piece called Roundhay Garden Scene, which is the uh, earliest surviving piece of film, which uh, comes from uh, 1888, and uh, I'm sure that people could find fault with, with the choices of first ever for these, but I think these are reasonable choices. If you look at the 1947 filing of the patent for the, the missile game um, and subtract from 2007, you get a period of about 60 years. Um, so we could say that the video game industry is roughly 60 years old uh, for the, from the very first precursors. Likewise, you could say that the film world was 60 years old at the date of 1948. In 1948, we had developed uh, Casablanca with Citizen Kane, It's a Wonderful Life, The Philadelphia Story, some of... Um, some pretty big masterpieces. Citizen Kane especially is one that often uh, still appears on the list of top 50 films of all time. Uh, Casablanca also tends to show up rather near the top. Gone with the Wind, another one that has just stood the test of time. And so my question to think about is, first of all, uh, uh, the simple question of are our 10 best video games ever? This list of, I mean, I, I consider that some of these games, uh, Super Metroid, System Shock 2, to be some of the best 
games that we've ever produced. How does that compare to the list of the top 10 game, top 10 films in 1948? And uh, not only on, on, on the aspect of, of how good they are, actually. I, I'm going to read you some summaries of, of what I consider to be the plots. And, and again, you'll probably find fault with these, but hey, it's my podcast. So here are, are our video games. Just little summaries about their, their storylines. Um, we've got a military adventure about war and killing people with spaceships, a surreal adventure about love, sin, and killing big creatures with a sword, a horror adventure about the nature of self and killing scary creatures with guns, a fantasy adventure about saving the world by killing things with a sword, a sci-fi adventure about killing things with an advanced suit of powered armor, um, a sci-fi adventure about rebellion and saving the world by killing things with guns. A sci-fi adventure about environmental symbiosis and killing things with army. A fantasy adventure about change, morality, and killing things. An adventure across time to save the world while killing things with different weapons. Um, and then an epic four-year journey about corruption and heroism in the land of the dead. You might detect a common theme in all of those. And now uh, some plot summaries of those top ten films. A touching, contrapositive story about a man's importance to the people around him. A story of love and virtue set in the Second World War. A story of lost childhood and a struggle for fulfillment. A fantasy adventure about dreams and the worth of home. An epic tale of love and the American Civil War. A touching story about family, growing up, and dear. A com comedy about love, money, and alcohol. A detective adventure about murder, theft, betrayal, and romance. A story about politics, environmentalism, and personal integrity. And an espionage thriller about Nazis, poison, and betrayal. You'll notice that death features a lot more prominently in the video games, especially the main character killing hundreds of things. Um, the, these films, I mean, certainly death shows up. We've got, the, we've got two wars going on here. We've got a whole lot of uh, betrayal, murder, and so on. Um, but, but the... the our video games tend to be very, very violence-focused, and we don't yet have the Philadelphia stories of the video game world. I, I can't think of a, a, a truly stellar romance that I've ever played. Um, I don't know. The thing that first comes to mind is uh, Prince of Persia Sands of Time. That, that was a game that made me feel like there was truly this romance building, but uh, none of the other ones really, really do it for me. Um, the, the fact that Monkey Island even enters my head as a contender should tell you something. So w what we have is we have this this fixation on the this is a cliche term, but juvenile male fantasies, these these I want to be a soldier that can kill stuff. And that's pretty dominant in our in our industry. Uh, Sims is a game that I did not include on this top 10 list, which some people might crucify me for. But it is a game about interpersonal relationships and so on. But it's it doesn't have the depth that a work like Citizen Kane does. They're both the story of building up wealth and succeeding in relationships or possibly failing in relationships and, you know, occasionally having things burn up in a fire. But the thing is that the, the amount of human insight that you get from Citizen Kane and you get from The Sims, I don't really think they're on the same level. And that might be my, my built-in bias against interactive entertainment. But I, I think there's something to be said there. Um, after the break, I'm going to talk about sort of 
other things that we can look at with regard to the, the progress of interactive entertainment and maybe uh, some things that we have to look forward to in the future. Now. So we've got our two top ten lists, and uh, if we look at them, I, I think that there's there's a noticeable difference. I think that that what we've done is we, so far as the technology has gone, the the craft of making film or making video games, I, I think that we've far surpassed the the state of the film. Um, I mean, if if you look at the the sort of of cinemagraphic or or ludological impressive things that we can do with regard to Citizen Kane versus uh, Half-Life 2, I don't think there's any comparison. I think Half-Life 2 has much better of a sense of immersion, of, of simulation of a world. Um, even with the clever tricks that Citizen Kane pulled, uh, you know, compare the idea of being able to to have a continuous, quote-unquote continuous, camera shot up through a skylight with the physics system that they've got so much press in Half-Life 2. I, I think that, that technology-wise, we're doing pretty good. We've got alternate control schemes, we've got impressive special effects, and so on. Uh, especially when you compare the, the original work that we're talking about here. But I think that where we're losing is story, and, and this is going to make me sound like a broken record because this is my pet, uh, pet peeve about the interactive entertainment world, but we, we just, even if you don't look at the interactive part, our stories are quite frankly pretty lame. Um, I mean, the best works on this list with regard to story, I think, are things like Alpha Centauri, Planescape Torment, uh, Grim Fandango, and they seldom rise above Pulp Fiction levels. Uh, yeah, that's that's lowercase p, lowercase f, Pulp Fiction. Um, I mean, the, the plot of Planescape Torment is, I, I suppose, decent fantasy. The plot of Alpha Centauri would make an okay sci-fi short story. It, it's not particularly impressive then given that's not entirely what the the medium is about but still come on guys we can do better than this and the fact that that we don't have these the these stories that that are really as impressive i mean citizen kane 
despite what you might say about the fact that the story is kind of boring, um, and that, I don't know, I've never particularly liked Orson Welles, you still have a depth there. I mean, the 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 whole tragic arc of that story is, I don't know, compare it to, to Shadow of the Colossus or to Planescape Torment, and I don't think that interactive entertainment really can, can hold a candle to motion pictures when it comes to story. But, hey, we look cooler, so I don't know. I guess what I'd like to see for the industry is is we don't yet have really any sort of of award any sort of of judgment system for art in games. We've got some independent game festivals that sort of do the same. Um, we we have some some middling attempts, but most most attempts at at ranking interactive entertainment lie in a, in a commercial aspect. They are the best game of the year, the the most fun game. And, I mean, I like fun. Fun is good. Fun is kind of what makes interactive entertainment separate from everything else. But I think that more people need to focus on the most artistic game of the year. And I, I don't know if artistic is, but the, but the game that, that does the best at achieving some sort of artistic goal. And I'm not seeing that. That's the... Of course, I'm, I'm making veiled references to the Academy Awards, which are a, a set of awards that don't award films for being box office hits. They award films for artistry. And whether or not they make good choices is irrelevant. The fact is that they're trying. Um, I think that one thing that'll help is is the, the independent gaming movement. And again, this is sort of a, a favorite of mine. But uh, I think that the independent gaming movement, like the indie film movement, will help to push things in different directions that, that the commercial blockbuster houses can't. Um, wow, this is one of those podcasts that I feel just kind of throws up a problem and doesn't offer any solutions to it. But I think that if, if we keep in our minds at all time, not how do I compare to Citizen Kane, but... How can I make my works more than just fun and cool? I think that that we'll achieve quite a bit. The 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 issue, as always, I think, is a matter of people looking at video games and at interactive entertainment not as narrative. And you could have an argument for a long time about whether that's the right thing. But I think that if we think of our works as narrative and think how does my work support its narrative goals then I think that that we'll start to see some improvement I don't know maybe I'm overconfident maybe I'm being overcritical so if, if you have any uh, thing to add to the discussion if you want to complain about my choices or anything like that feel free to drop me a line in the comments at ludusnovus.net um, and uh, I'll be back next week. Um, well, maybe not next week. We'll see. I'll be back at some point in the future. Ludus Novus is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial 3.0 license. That means that you can give it to whoever you like. You can really do whatever you want with it uh, as long as you don't make money off of it. The music for this episode is uh, Brilliant Day 
the fourstones.net mix by fourstones and de benedictus and it is available under a creative commons attribution non-commercial 2.5 license see you guys around Yep, someone was probably talking.